definitely been an evolution. And for anyone listening, I will say it is okay to Google how to be a CEO. Cause I actually Googled that one time and there's not a lot of information out there. Yep. Um, you know, when you're in the early days, you're like, ah, I'm CEO. Uh, yeah, me and my, um, my staff that's non-existent, you know, um, it, it's a little bit different. It's, it, it's, it all has its own nuances, but you go from that to having, you know, uh, a staff, say that five to nine, you start to pick up a few people. You start to get a few personalities that people who are working for you that you really have to kind of, you know, manage, you know, you have to tell them things and, and start off. I think a lot of people, when you're getting, early, you know, it tends to be friends and family maybe, or closest business associates. And I think in that early stage, it's very hard to manage and direct and tell people what to do because there's, you know, a history, you know, yeah. that could be influencing that. Um, so you have to walk, walk through that, but then there's this stage where you start to hit in between you know, 10 to 15 employees, and that's when things really, really start to show. And people told me that, and I was kind of watching. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools, helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Hey, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building to Scale podcast, where I get the the opportunity and the, the chance here to speak with entrepreneurial business leaders and influencers here, just really hearing their stories and their challenges of growing and scaling their own business. As we were talking a little bit off the air here, it just seems like every business there's a there's a foundation and certain aspects that you have to have to every business, but still it's the the stories and the creativity that different people, different business owners have built on top of it is always a, a fun story to go down. So today with me, I have Adam Clark with Tangible Solutions out of Ohio. So first off, Adam, welcome to the show and thank you for taking a bit of your time out to, to join us here. Awesome. This is a pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. So Kind of jumping right on in. I know we were talking a little bit beforehand, but tell me a little bit more about your current role and about what Tangible Solutions is. So, yeah, I uh, appreciate it. I'm co-founder and CEO of Tangible Solutions. We are a contract manufacturer of 3D printed titanium orthopedic implants. Uh, it's rather focused by nature. You know, I know that sounds long when I say it. It's like blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, about four or five years ago, we decided to really focus in on the niche market. You know, we were additive manufacturing or 3D printing guys, if you will. Uh, but the we always wanted to compete with traditional means of manufacturing. And then, you know, through the stumblings of the early stages of an entrepreneurial venture, you know, in keeping at it, we started to develop a market, started to hone in on a, a sector of a market and go after that. And so we you know, really transitioned what we were doing at that point to focus and become what we are today. So. Yeah, that's, that's really key because especially a lot of times we kind of start out with business of, okay, just trying to see what sticks, throw it against the wall and see what sticks mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But <laughs> at some point yeah. you just got to focus down. You can't be, be everything for everybody. Oh yeah, we got some old YouTube videos out there that make me cringe. So I don't, I don't know if I can ever pull them back from, from the the World Wide Web. But you know, so. Well, I think that's probably the case with most all of us. And <laughs> the downside of everything being online these days is like, yeah, you, you can't bring some of that stuff back once it's out there. It's out there. But still, I think that <laughs> yeah, it it, um, it shows growth. Hopefully. 
So, oh. Yeah, my grandma reshared something, you know, a couple months ago from early days just on her website. I was just like, oh, Grant, thanks, Grandma. Thank you. Thanks for the publicity there. <laughs> oh, God, I love her. Oh, so tell us a little bit more. How did you kind of get into this business? How did you get into this? Were you the, the stereotypical entrepreneur of all the way back to candy sales and stuff like that? Or what, what's, what's your journey been like? You know, um, so I, I and I, this plays a big role. So I was Green Beret before I got out, uh, you know, while I was in the Army. And then when I got out, I went to go work at a um, um, promotional items company going door to door. So you can imagine my mental state going from barrel chested freedom fighter to promotional item salesman. But I had, you know, I picked up a job, had to pay the bills and I was just making my way, just trying to, you know, my first son was on, or my son was on his way and, and I just you know, picked up something, but I was going door to door and they told me not to do that. Don't go door to door. No one does that. And I was like, right, I just got to get out. I got to go hit the ground. And, um, I, st- I came across and walked into a, a manufacturer of defense stuff. And I, you know, they had all this radio equipment on the panel there. And I was like, I used all this stuff. They were like, you did? Uh, and the CEO was walking by. And after a short conversation, he hired me. Uh, that's where I met Chris, who's my business partner. We were both there for about three years. And then um, he was on the engineering side. So he did a lot of the prototyping, product development stuff. And we were just friends, working in two different places within the business. And then... Uh, we were all kind of getting laid off to 2011, 2012. There was like sequestration, a lot going on in defense. It was just budget cutting. And so he got next and then I was next. I mean, they told me, Hey, you're going to be gone. And he said, Hey, I got a you know printer. I'm going to check this out. And I was like, I don't know, man. We go to the garage. We started, you know, he printed me a knife and we started talking about a business plan. I brought my Ranger handbook. You know, we went door to door for a little while. You know, we're in Dayton, which is a manufacturing town. So we started to put boots on the ground, going door to door, just knocking on every manufacturer that would talk to us. We were focused on jigs, fixtures, prototyping, that sort of thing right out the gate. And then we started doing breakfast briefings to try to bring people to us, you know, offer a little bit of juice and coffee and a donut for some, you know, to listen to us talk about the, you know, preach the gospel of additive manufacturing and and the idea was to try to, you know, limit our time on the street and maximize our time in front of prospects. And we started to notice this consistent flow of medical folks coming in the door and asking us questions. And, you know, through some, you know, evolutions of relationships and um, sales, you know, pipeline type stuff, uh, we started to really hone in and see that this was a market that was really going to open up. It was still a high barrier of entry. So we, you know, we were looking for that high barrier of entry market and, you know, a lot of our competition at the time within the additive space was really focused on aerospace. And we just felt like that was one too big of a market, not ready for our technology. But we have a, a technology where you had some big guys like Stryker, Nubasive coming out with additive. So they were, the market was buying into what our technology was. And so we started to pick it up and go from there. So, um, you know, and then we really started to hone it in. But, you know, for us with the new technology, we started with our ISO processes, good business, like practices in place, good manufacturing processes in place. And so I think that's why we've been so successful with 3D printing technologies, because from the foundation of the organization, we started setting up ISO certifications and manufacturing processes that understood additive manufacturing, where I think a lot of our competition that had been, you know, 30 plus years in the business trying to bring in a new technology with all of their traditional means of manufacturing really struggled to implement and pull that in not only to their ISOs processes or their international standards you know processes 
but also how that how that relates to the FDA regulations and validations on that technology. And so we have, you know, we had to make this work quick, where a lot of folks kind of sat on it and debated it and, you know, late nights of ph philosophical validation discussions and how are we going to prove this and and uh, we were kind of able to get out in front of everybody and build some relationships. And, you know, we've got a chip on our shoulder still. Uh, you know, we were, there was nine of us when we won our first big customer. And now there's like 30 of us. And, you know, we've got customers around the world now. And um, it's been a wild ride these last year and a half, a wild fun ride this last year and a half. It's always been fun when you look back, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, definitely experienced some things. I've got my children here today who really need to sit down snow day you know yeah, but what's better than bringing kids to a factory you know so hey we, we, we employ them young right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh but anyways i guess you got to address the elephant in the room it's like hey man your kids are there oh yeah you know? no worries that's, that's gonna, <laughs> and i think that'll actually to me be a nice breakdown a nice thing going forward is that it's because i still remember it was i've been remote for probably close to 15 years now and oh, it was nice. my my daughter was Oh, she was much older, younger than that kind of a thing there. And it was back on just the audio conference calls or whatever. But she all of a sudden run in. Hey, I need a diaper change right there. And everybody can hear it kind of a thing. But it's yeah, yeah. these days. Hey, it's it's a lot more accepting and it's a lot more personal. Hey, we, we're actually real people here, not just a not just yeah, a suit yeah. in front of a camera kind of a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's good exposure for the kids, too. You know, the, yeah. all kids in general to see their parents working, to see what life is like almost after school. So, but not to digress from this, but. Oh, no, no, fun. that's, it is. And it's, it's a part of life. Cause that's really the thing. And that's complete different tangent. I'd never planned on going on, but still it's a, um, <laughs> you look at, they, they always talk about that whole work life balance and stuff like that. It's like, it's not two separate things. It's not work and life that, especially today kind of a thing, but still it's, it blends overlaps so much for a business leader that it's like, okay, the business doesn't just shut off after five o'clock. And the same thing is life doesn't just pick up at five o'clock kind of a thing. So it's, Absolutely. it's a challenge sitting there trying to, to balance that, especially on the smaller business side, when it's like, okay, the business revolves so much around you. And how, how do you, how do you make that balance and stuff like that? So it's a challenge right there that I see a lot of people dealing with. Yeah, it's definitely a practice. You know, I think about, about two years ago, you know, I was overweight. I wasn't really feeling myself physically. You know, I really hadn't taken care of myself. It is amazing to me. Uh, I mean, because we have, I got guys working over that, working out right now. On, you know, be, be, I started working out every day, 11 o'clock. I just walked away from my desk and I would work out. And it, just, and it was awkward at first because here I am, CEO, working out in the corner while the guys are running the mill. And because everything's open here, everyone can see everything. And I just felt bad about it at first. Like, I need to be at my desk. I need to be working. But when I started doing that, other people started joining. Then I had a guy quit smoking. And then we, like, and then it was like the, it was like the productivity like, really picked up. And they, they sank into that. So it is amazing how on stage you are as an entrepreneur with your organization, no matter how big it is. I mean, they are watching you, whether you think it or not. Because I think as entrepreneurs, we question ourselves, our sanities. Am I doing this right? Do they trust me? Am I, you know, am I an idiot? Am I, am I being too much of a jerk or, you know, whatever. And you it's really by example. It is by example. And, you know, it, it, it's like everything's picked up. And I started to preach a little bit of balance and trying to do yoga and just, you know, I really encourage people to take their vacation time. I encourage them to really check out 
you know, like I, I took a guy's computer away from him for the whole, you know, because he kept taking it home <clears throat> and working. And then the next week was like, hey, I, you know, we've got uh, my wife's man. I mean, I'm like, all right, we're taking your computer home or away from you. You are not allowed to work. And uh, I think you have to almost like force that and that, having that balance because you got to have legs to go. And we were feeling really exhausted. We were at a good point, but we were dead tired. All of us were. And once we started to reinvigorate ourselves, uh, eat healthier for lunch, you know, kind of, t- we have a channel on our Slack channel. That's like the iron eating club. And it's just talk about working out or, you know, recipes for different desserts or for foods and whatnot. And as an outside thing that is, I, it, to me, it has made a huge impact on the organization. And it's like the trust and the leadership is almost grown because I'm taking care of myself and they can see that. Cause you know, it was, it was a point where my employees said, listen, if you go down, we all go down. And I had never thought that about myself. I thought you don't need me. Like, see, you know, the secret is you don't need me. You are actually more smarter at your, better at your job than I am. You know, that's why we hired you. And he's in, and that was a eye-opening statement for me because it was like, yeah, I guess if I do, you know, you start thinking about the bank, you start thinking about the legal ramifications. You start like these people are following you on a dream, on a journey, on a mission. Cause we sold everyone here. Like you're joining the front lines, of the industrial revolution. We're going to take this technology on this sleepy town, Dayton, Ohio, that's been beat up and spit out by the automotive industry. And we're going to bring it back. We're going to bring it back with tenacity. And we're going to act like this is the trenches of American economy. You know, manufacturing is, and so for the, you know, they were taking a lot of our early employees took low pay for this mission. And so they kind of joined us. So you owe it to them to be around, to be healthy, to be able to lead, to be in every day and to set the example and how you dress. Cause you know, I was, I would wear my shop shirt or jeans and t- and gym shoes that entrepreneurial, you know, ah, I can, you know, untucked shirts. Then I started dressing nicer. I started dressing like a CEO would, you know, it's Friday. I got a flannel on, but it's nice. It's tucked in, you know? But um, you know, everyone else started doing that. And then we started having customers come in. And when customers came in and everyone was just, I didn't have to worry about, you know, was someone wearing sweatpants today? You know, um, it just it gave a professional aura. And it's like those little things outside the mission really complement the mission. And, um, I, you know, I don't know where we started, but that's. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it does. And it really makes a lot of sense because it's, I guess, a couple of things that typically when I'll do sessions or whatever with clients, I'll ask them basically to kind of check in and rate themselves on three different levels to say, okay, how are things going from a business perspective? How are things going from a personal perspective? But then how are things going from a health perspective? Because like you Mm -hmm. said, if you're overweight, if you're tired, if you're not feeling good, whatever, you're not representing, you're not putting into the company or being able to support that. And reality is, even though, like you said, hopefully we can delegate, hopefully we can hand off to where you're not having to do it all they're still dependent upon you being there. And it's, if, if you're oh, not absolutely. there, if you're not capable of doing that, then yeah, you're impacting the rest of the company. Yeah. But then the other side of that, sitting there looking at what you're talking about is from a cultural perspective. Cause like you said, everybody is still sitting there watching. And it's one thing to sit there and say, Hey, this is going to be our culture. But unless you're not, unless you're living it right there, unless you're setting that example, they're not, they're going to be a lot less inclined, put it that way to, to follow through on it. So by you setting that example, by you being visible there to say, Hey, this is our culture, whether it's eating or healthy, working out, whether it's the dress standard, whether it's whatever kind of a thing there, it, it impacts. It's like you say, even with the kids kind of a thing there, they watch yeah. what you do and follow what you do that way, less than what, just what you tell them to kind of a thing there. Yeah. So the, the more you can exhibit that, 
set your own culture that way and, and they'll yeah. follow they'll come along to a large degree there there may be a few outliers that have to be dealt with but still it's sure. they're going to follow a lot better than just you sitting at the top dictating yeah, yeah absolutely setting the example you know i always think of like those you know like uh glory you know that movie glory growing up uh I uh, watched that. It's like, you think you see those guys riding on that horse or marching out. They're all just like straight lace, ready to go. And you have everyone around them, you know, waving and they're, and they're proud, you know, these guys, because they're locked tight, because they look good. They look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. And they're in the, and then everyone has confidence that these soldiers going out to battle will be successful, whether they are or not, you know, at the end of the end of that movie wasn't as great for everyone, but you know, as history goes on, but still they, they look good. And everyone had confidence in their ability when they left the building that they would, bring home the meat you know if i go to a customer they know i'm going to represent tangible i represent everybody you know from deber all the way up to our you know director of quality that's got way more years of experience than me you know we <laughs> represent all the hard work that they do here and it's really important i think whether we know it or not that means something to your employees you know, yeah you're presenting yourself appropriately so. no definitely it does so I'm curious, going from, say, about eight years or whatever now here, what's the, the transition happened in, in you personally and your role kind of a thing there from original early days startup, just trying to keep things held together to where you are now, at, at, like I said, eight years later and getting some traction here? For sure. It's definitely been an evolution. And for anyone listening, I will say it is okay to Google how to be a CEO because I actually Googled that one time and there's not a lot of information out there. Um, yep. you know, when you're in the early days, you're like, ah, I'm CEO. Uh, yeah, me and my, um, my staff that's non-existent, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's a little bit different. It, it's, it's, it all has its own nuances, but you go from that to having, you know, uh, a staff say that five to nine, you start to pick up a few people. You start to get a few personalities that people who are working for you that you really have to kind of, you know, manage, you know, you have to tell them things that, and, and start off, I think a lot of people when you're getting, you know, it tends to be friends and family, maybe, or closest business associates. And I think in that early stage, it's very hard to manage and direct and tell people what to do because there's, you know, history, you know, yeah. that could be influencing that. Um, so you have to walk, walk through that. But then there's this stage where you start to hit in between you know, 10 to 15 employees. And that's when things really, really start to shift. And people told me that and I was kind of watching it. But it was started to be like when well, the first time someone came up and said, hey, uh, how do I turn in vacation days? And I was like, uh, vacation? I don't, I don't know. No one's ever asked me that. <laughs> you yep. know, you got you to see. So the, and then the more uh, employee satisfaction on the admin side, you know, benefits. And, you know, it's more it's less, uh, you know, uh, po poetic mission and now taking care of employees who you're now recruiting for you're now they're not friends and family you actually had to put an ad out go through an interviewing process managing them but also that's when some of the legal stuff you know the nuances of governance corporate governance knowing how to run a board you know not just blowing that off and signing papers like really starting to read what you're you know getting into you know because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know uh yeah we you know there were early days in tangible where it was going bad and I remember I just laid out all legal docs I had signed in the last year. I was like, let me actually read and time this out, see how bad this is, and then negotiate back. Um, and then, uh, and now we're kind of where we are today, where we feel steady. You feel good 
one day and then the next day you're like, well, what's happening next month? What do we got coming in next month or six months from now? Um, and getting equipment in, it's more ecosystem related. You know, I'm not necessarily making the cold calls every day. We've got, you know, you kind of, you start to work your way out of a job over time. And then it'll, you, you got to get to a place that allows you to really think big, have some quiet time, even during the day and be able to focus on the overall mission and how do we get everyone behind us to uh, jump onto this mission and go. And it's weird because, you know, you're not deburring parts, you know, you don't know the exact number of parts that went out that, you know, someone told me one day, there'll be a day when you don't even know what shipped that day. And I was like, no way I'm, I'm involved. I'm involved. I know everything. Well, I don't, (laughs) I can't keep up with it. And I shouldn't be able to keep up with it if we're doing our job right. It should just be able to roll. And that's been kind of hard. Or, you know, handing out, you know, someone calls me, I'm going to say, hey, we'll talk to, you know, talk to so-and-so, they'll take care of you. And I'm just like, hey, did you call them back? Did you, did you give them, you know, some time? He likes to, you know, he'll get back to the email or he may tech, you know, it's like, just let them do their job and, and step back. Don't answer so many questions. Let them figure it out. And there's that grinding in there where it just like it's like you know you can do it in two seconds but it's taking them three hours you just got to let them do it and figure it out because that frees up 10 hours for you later when that is same issue comes up and it's just like forward email get problem solved follow up later and that's all it is versus jumping into each and every issue and trying to handle those you you know your job as ceo is what i've learned is protect the company protect the company comes in many forms more sales Financially being responsible, making sure things aren't cash isn't just going out the back door because we want this and that and all the fancy little bells and whistles for each machine. You know, it's protect the company at all costs. And I think if you go with that mantra, you know, no matter where you are in your life cycle as a CEO, going with the mantra of protect the company, you'll always be doing the right thing. Whether because some you just don't know. Yeah. Fifty percent of the time, I would think I know, and that's. Another pro- part of the problem is like, I think we try to get too perfectionary and try to really make the right call. But really the success is just making the decision, potentially having an opportunity to iterate and just moving forward. And I tell people like, I'm an 80% guy. We just move forward. We'll solve, you know, we'll figure out the little nuances, but we really got to identify what are our big priorities and that's where our energy needs to go. And then getting people to align with that a little bit um, takes practice and patience. And, and that's kind of where I am now um, as CEO. But I can see it evolving quickly because we're just, we are evolving quickly. And you have to evolve as a person quickly. Yeah. You know, really, and doing some learning of how do I manage this and, you know, and just taking some time to reflect and talking to your managers and, we have a stand-up meeting every day at 6.30 where we just kind of touch 10 minutes real quick. But it's every day and it's consistent. And and now that it's consistent, they know. And so if I can't make one, they still do it. And it's a pulse. And everyone's kind of cross-talking and going and doing their thing. So um, I think leadership is constantly, you know, you're constantly evolving, especially as an entrepreneur, because no one's really helping. Yeah. You know, and everyone's got their own story, their own you know, thing like you got, you know, the context of your own situation and it's hard to decipher when you know the context of your own situation, but you've got a guy that's 30 years, your senior, been a board member, CEO of a man, another manufacturing company, giving you advice and telling you what to do. 
but sometimes you got to fight back. You got to say, I don't know if that's going to work, you know, and, and, and you're the only, you have to live with your own decisions. Um, and ever, uh, you know, everyone, everything else is advice. Now they may be able to pin you down, depending on the board member or something like that, you know, but you know, and if you listen to this, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of respect for him. I'll just put that. Up. So <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious then talking about the, the daily standup and everything, cause that's one that I typically work with clients. So, okay. Get that, that pulse, that thing going on. How much of that has come from like your military background with the, the execution strategy to say, Hey, we've got to sit here and have structure. We've got to have plans. We've got to have processes, things like that. How much of that has rolled over into your business? Uh, yeah, I'd say a lot. Um, I mean, our first business plans were, you know, you know, founded on the Ranger handbook. And so we kind of, you know, the mission, you know, what's the intent, what are our resources, what's the most likely course of action that our competitors are going to take and, you know, what supplies do we have? I think it's uh, played a big role. I don't, it's more uh, like today, like in essence, it's around the discipline, the do whatever it takes. Um, but the processes that have evolved from those early days are kind of their own now. They're more focused on medical, but I certainly said, you know, it probably had a big impact too on just how we market it and came to market and how we got the word out. As a Green Beret, like you, your goal is to try to win the hearts and minds of the local population because your job is to get out of there. Like yeah. set it up, take care of some business and, you know, get them set up and go. And that's what we wanted to do is run the hearts and minds of our customers by giving information, being helpful, doing whatever it takes, like earning it, having a little bit of grit, excuse me, and uh, making things, you know, just bring in a level of intensity that no one else has and trying to get other people to do that and come in. Cause not everyone has, has the same love for my business or, you know, our business, they're just not. So finding those personal areas where you can kind of allow them to go, but, what the military taught me was to kind of like be aware of everything, the entire environment. That's why I like having an open concept. I mean, my desk used to be over there, which was literally in the middle of a mill and, you know, 3d printers. And I could kind of see, and you hear that, that radio chatter, if you will, you know, kind of like, what, huh? How much? Yeah. <laughs> so, same time, I can uh, see that being detrimental. It's <laughs> too easy to chase it, squirrels. Wait a minute, what's it's going nice on being right over now? here that yeah, it's yeah. nice being over here now. So you kind of gotta you know get over some barriers to interrupt me. Yeah, no, I can see that for sure. So uh, doing more of a, a forward outlook here. What what's the what's the direction of the company? What's your what's your plans? Obviously, going to you said 30, 35 employees already right now. You're yeah moving on up here, but what's what's the vision look like for the company moving forward? Yes, we have. We have some equipment come in early in the year um, on the additive side, increased capacity there. We've got some things coming in on post-processing. We're probably hitting a point where we're tapering out. We're hiring early to get people ready. Like we know we've got some business coming, so we really want everyone to be in re ready and, and be in place. Um, so, you know, we've got some good things happening this year with the equipment. 2022, we'll probably start to really settle with all this new equipment. You know, anytime you get new equipment, you got all kinds of things. We call it uh, uh, fixturing shakeout is what we call it. And I don't tell anyone what I budget for it, but it's always a lot. You know, I take the cost of the machine and I times it by 1.75 and that's the budget. But I don't tell anyone else about that 0.75 because there's always something that comes in. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so we'll probably have a lot of that. But, um, you know, this capacity should help us for the next year, year and a half, maybe two years. Now, get to a point where we can kind of start to trickle machines in as we need them. Cause we went through a big tranche of big tranche of machines 
this is a, you know a smaller, but with still another tranche machine. It's a lot of energy to bring that in focus. You know, everyone's being pulled to do their day job, and then to set up equi- equipment so they have more to do during their day job. Yeah. And uh, so you know, so we're kind of working through that. But I think we're gonna have we're, we are gonna have some really good growth this this year. Next year, I'm expecting the same thing. The orthopedics market is very strong right now, uh, despite COVID. I mean, people still are in pain. And they still need to get surgeries. And, and though it can be limited, it's, you know, what's happening in our market is the hospitals are pushing out to ancillary surgical centers to get them off, uh, you know, the itinerary of the hospitals to free them up. So we are seeing this shift um, within the orthopedics market that has been very beneficial to us. And again, I think our size of where we are has allowed us to be really aggressive. And as things like COVID start to pull back, and we're and as we are getting more aggressive, I think we're really going to come out out the gate really strong here in the next two years. So, but it's focuses on keeping culture, maintaining that. That's been a, a little bit more of a struggle now that we don't have those friends and families that you know. Hey, you know a guy that can do this, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's that's probably been the hardest thing because I can feel that change when you bring a new individual in, just a little different. It's always positive, but um, you know so. Yeah, I guess high level, that's where we're at. No, it makes sense. And yeah, it does. It's a continual evolution there unless you've got it really tightly dialed in. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a, an evolution because like I said, everybody brings something new to the table. Yeah, so, you got to have fun. And that's the okay. thing. I forget that sometimes. And I, I just write it down like, have fun. Why not? Why not? Be a little wild. Be a little crazy. You know, don't, yeah. you know, don't, don't just because you've been burnt time and time again, you know, just give it a second, maybe draw back a little bit, but ha- like have fun. You got into this for a reason, you know, don't let all the, all the non-fun stuff, you know, if identify non-fun, fun stuff and outsource it to uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody else <laughs> yeah. so for real, you know, whether, you know, find someone, a VA, a, a virtual assistant, I'll work for you for two hours a week, even, you know, temp, but just to handle little things like one thing, you know, just do this one thing for me. If you can start to learn how to do that and delegate properly, you can have fun again can have a lot more fun again and your employees really need you to be having fun because if you're not having fun they're not having fun, they're not having fun. for yeah. real yeah they're not you know so uh, I, I get that one for sure so um i say love love the conversation everything here but unfortunately need to wrap up so always want to come back and kind of ask what's the the best tip or strategy to say in your case eight years or so ago if you just known this or just tried this eight years ago, things might've been smoother, easier, faster and growing. Anything, anything come yeah. to mind there? Yeah. You know, one thing I always kind of preach on is focus and I'll say that here, but you know, really focus in, focus small, you know, don't overbuy too early. Don't give up equity early. Don't, you know, don't do that. There's no reason, you know, wait till you have some real value and people can pay you for that. So wait on that and, and really focus in on, you know, one or two customers, you know, one or two offerings don't offer the world to everybody, you know, really focus in. Um, but for more of a you know, entrepreneurial standpoint, get a board, whether it's a board of advisors, somebody that will really call you to the carpet on your crazy ass ideas, because you need that. You need that. It'll, it'll, and I wish I, we had had a board earlier and I'll never start a company again without a board. Always have a board because you have to answer to somebody else other than yourself. You know, day to day, you're, you're running the show. You know, and Chris and I are just back and forth, like, blah, 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 blah. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, you know, take over the world tomorrow. But say, so, well, hold on. We got to clear that with the board first. You know, ah, we're going to buy a $75,000 machine. Got to clear it with the board first. They're going to say yes, but you have to justify yourself. You have to go through the due diligence of your cash flow, 
first before you even get approval. And I think that really makes you think to yourself, do I need this? Do I need this right now? Do I want to really go ask the board for something? Cause they're going to ask all these questions and I can't answer it. And it's like, well, there's your answer right there. So yeah. I would say that would be probably my biggest thing to everybody is get a board, you know, some, not a friend, but like a legitimate, you know, board that, you know, and there's, you know, there's online SBA. I mean, you can go find sources, but pick up some folks that will, that don't have context that you have to explain it to them so they can give you advice where they're not necessarily have skin in the game. So it's solid advice. They want to guide you. Um, and I think that will help a lot of people. It's really humbling to do that because you're going to go in and these guys, you know, they're going to make you feel like crap. And I remember at one point we were, we just weren't doing well. I didn't know what I was doing. And we, one of our board members came in pretty much told me to shut up and go to the back of the room. He didn't say that to me, but I, that's what I did. I just was like, you know what? I'm just sitting up here looking like, you know, what I, you know, I just went to the back room and I just learned like, be humble, you know, learn from them, allow them, you know, pr- you know, take some of their practices and put that into play. So long winded answer. I'm a wordy guy. You just got to cut me off at some point. Oh no, no, that's, it's all good. I, I like both of it kind of thing, but still it's that having that outside perspective is, is really key. I've, I've found that in my own practice and other places as well. Cause you even mentioned it up front. It's like, okay, go Google how to be a CEO. It's like, there's, there's not a lot of resources here. So if you can bring in some of that outside expertise, especially in the form of a, a board or somebody outside that's not in the day to day that can question you, Hey, why are you doing things that way? Or like you said, make you prove yourself as to, okay, it's not just a gut feel. There's actual real evidence here. This is real backing for why yeah. we're making this decision. Complete night and day impact on the, on the business right there. Cause otherwise you'll be flailing around just, which way is the wind blowing today versus, okay, we're actually going to put some real thoughts and real due diligence into our process and our direction here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's, have it's action really items that will not dangle for a year and get pushed and pushed yeah. and pushed, you know, I get, I still get notes and emails from them that are like, Hey, what about this? I'm like, Oh yeah. We did talk about that. <laughs> we did. Dang it. <laughs> Oops. You were listening. <laughs> so, oh. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the the, the information to hear. Um, if people want to come learn more about Tangible Solutions, about you, where's the where's the best way for them to reach out and learn a little bit more? You know, me and all our guys here are really big on LinkedIn, so we're on LinkedIn. Connect with you know me, Chris, Matt, Drew, Tyler. They're all on there, and we share some pretty cool information about what we do. But uh, you know, our website TangibleSolutions3D.com. We're revamping it right now, so I'm looking forward to that being back out there and not so old school. Um, but yeah, those are the main areas to find us. Oh, cool. And yeah, we'll have all that right here below the show notes. So I appreciate the time, appreciate the insight. It's been a fun conversation. So appreciate it. It's been wonderful. I appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the building to scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit building slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guests a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.